All right, another episode of Made for Philly, our third under Godzilla Media. It's just myself and Matt Minta today. Jeff got, actually, he was more sick with the Eagles uh, performance last week. He didn't even want to come on air. No, he's stuck with the baby this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, for Matt Minton, I'm Bryce Zelensky. Like I said, let's get right to it. And it's going to be a shorter episode because from here on out, really starting next week, our shows are going to be much longer, starting with our Eagle season preview. Matt, let's go right to it. Obviously, Eagles, Patriots um, was a bit of a disappointment, a bit of a clunker compared to what we were hyping it up to be. We were expecting it to be basically their dress rehearsal. And it was everything but that. Uh, first of all, you know, 45 minutes before the game, we get that notification. Oh, Jalen Hurts isn't playing. Okay. Um so Jalen Hurts did not play in his second preseason game. Joe Flacco started, and it really turned out that a lot of starters did not play. Uh, Devontae Smith was one of them. However, Matt, if there's anything to take away from this game, which granted, I, I think at this point you and I can agree there's not much. Um, is there anything we could pull from this game of substance? And this is the point of preseason, right? I mean, the, and Nick Sirianni mentioned this last week and he reiterated it this week. The preseason games at this point aren't everything when it comes to evaluating how players are in game play. That's the point of these joint practices. Obviously, this week, this week they were with the Jets. Last week they were with the Patriots. And he said each and every day is like a game. So they're taking all of that. So when it comes game time, even though we view it as the only time to see these guys, they've been under constant observation in game play all summer long. And that's part of his reasoning by sitting some of these guys. But nonetheless, a bit of a disappointment with what we were expecting. Yeah, it was definitely not a fun watch. But um, the only takeaway I can really get from this, looking at the situation, which was supposed to be their, quote, dress rehearsal, but yet another players or another starters played. I guess the idea is, is that Sirianni's confident with his team and how it's going to be set up and who's going to be doing what, but you know, he doesn't want to risk anybody hurt, which is never a bad thing. But at the same time, when you're going into a season where it mainly hinges on your second year quarterback, you ideally want to see him get some in-game full pads scenarios throughout the preseason. But um, definitely a very unique choice. I would have at least liked to have seen Hertz for a drive, but you know, stomach infection, Matt, stomach, stomach infection. infection. But However the here. hell you get a stomach infection. I don't know. And he's but. out here, you know, taking snaps and dancing minutes before the kickoff. So it was just a BS way of them saying, we're not going to play. And we know he's our starter, but um, definitely a very interesting, but not ideal call in my opinion. No. And it left us with, you know, we knew, uh, that afternoon that Devonte Smith was going to play before we knew Jalen hurts wasn't. So we we're, I mean, I, I texted Jeff. I don't, I don't think I reached out to you, but I mean, the, the excitement level was growing and you could see it on social media. Oh my God, we get to see Jalen hurts and Devonte Smith. Are they going to show some of that chemistry that we saw in college? And we've heard about all training camp. It just didn't happen. You got stuck with Joe Flacco who can't throw a football more than 10 yards. So, uh, I mean, I want to go to Devontae Smith because he obviously did play and you had Joe Flacco throwing him the football. So keep that in mind as we're talking about this. Um, was it the explosive start that many would have wanted? No, it wasn't the T.O. entrance that 
some people may have thought Devante was going to bring upon the Eagles, but um, you can see exactly why the Eagles got this guy and exactly why some people are not concerned about his slight frame at this point in his career. He is already an upper echelon NFL route runner, Matt. And you could just see, and you've seen the videos this week against the Jets, against their defensive backs as well. You can see how crisp of a, of a route runner he is. He spent most of the first half making guys standing across from him look stuck in the mud. I mean, that is, that that's impressive and not something that you see very often. And once he has a real quarterback throwing passes to him, AKA not Joe Flacco, I would literally take almost anybody in the NFL over Joe Flacco. Um, he looks primed to eat up yards and be a focal point of this Eagles offense. And uh, I mean, it even grabbed the attention of Chad Johnson. If, if anybody saw the tweet, uh, um, uh, he pretty much tweeted uh, getting off the line. He's going to be nice. Um, if you're getting the respect and uh, attention of a Chad Johnson in a preseason game, pretty good. You have my attention as well. I, I look. I've seen. Would I have seen like to see the to entrance that I mentioned earlier? Yeah, of course. I don't think anybody would be against that, but. I'm seeing what I want from Devonte Smith in preseason. I don't want to see him hurt. I want to, I know that he is going to be a focal point of this offense. I'm starting to see the route running. Are you worried about the drops? No, I'm not. I mean, look, Joe Flacco made some really awful throws. I don't really knock any of the drops Devonte had on him. It really just was a horrible, horrendous performance by Joe Flacco all the way around. Um, I've seen what I've wanted to see from Devontae Smith. Are we going to see him Friday? We'll talk about that in a bit. But if there are positives, it's Devontae Smith. Yeah, you definitely did see in the routes he was running, even when he wasn't getting targeted, he was getting that separation and he was providing what the Eagles needed. So given once we get to the regular season, we have a legitimate game plan and a script from Sirianni. I think you're going to see a lot more of him. Not overly worried about the drops. So I'm excited. I mean, because people – are starting to overlook. He won, he won the Heisman for a reason. He was our first round pick for a reason. You see all the videos he's doing at camp. Granted, that's camp, but he's making these veteran NFL corners miss, and that's what you wanted to see because that's what this team has lacked for the last three years. So I'm looking forward to see what he does in an actual game time scenario with a legitimate game plan called out for him. Yeah, sticking on the offensive side before I do want to tackle um, a little bit on the defensive side positively, and then we'll go negatively because there's a lot of that too. Um, Kenneth Gainwell was really the only real reason to watch this game after halftime, and he almost made it worth it in limited action. He's clearly a versatile piece, and we touched on this last week, that Nick Sirianni is going to move around the field, and it's obvious as a rookie, if he's having this significant of a role um, in preseason, they, they want to try to find ways to use him. And at the very least, he's a decisive runner and has good hands, a la uh, Darren Sproles, like Boston Scott. So really like what we've seen from him so far. It seems to be worth the pick, at least, to, I mean, to start. Would I have loved to see more of Miles Sanders? Sure. But if the starters weren't going to play that much, neither was Miles at this point. They kind of just want to get him his preseason reps and keep him healthy. Kenneth Gainwell is going to be um, having a more significant role in this offense than I think some people are realizing. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does as kind of that little scat back that's going to give Miles Sanders a break every now and then. 
It'll be interesting to see how they work him in there with Boston Scott, considering that they're both very similar players, but wouldn't also mind seeing him compete with Rager for a job as punt return or kick return man. So definitely an explosive piece there for this upcoming season. Yeah, let's go one more positive on the offense before we dissect some of these really bad things that we saw because there was plenty of it on uh, and whether it's you know to be taken seriously is one thing or the other but I do have to say the linebacking core was one of the few units that made a pretty darn good impression on Thursday and that was led by Alex Singleton who continues um to have a very strong summer after playing well against Pittsburgh as well it, it looks like he is really coming off the ball well um and perhaps really has been the only standout guy on defense to date because of all the reps that he's getting and really disrupting the backfield. He forced a fumble in the fourth, probably not anything meaningful, um, but he he's, he's reading offensive lines. Well, he he's recognizing plays quickly and he's making strong tackles as well. So this is a guy that obviously is going to be cracking the, the, the starting lineup when it comes to the linebacking core. We all know this, but it's good to see that he's building off a strong season last year and carrying it into a new regime. Yeah. Especially towards the end of that year, he really picked himself up and showed what he could be. And I'm excited to see him put in this role now where he's not relied upon to be the big dog linebacker and the main guy, because we brought in, uh, Eric Wilson for that purpose to serve as the veteran. And now to see him paired next to him, I think it's going to be a role that he's going to adjust very well. in. because people forget, I think there was a point where he led linebackers and tackles for a certain stretch of weeks. So you really do have a promising linebacker core here. Then you mentioned Davion Taylor, who's supposedly only gotten better and a lot of other young guys who are going to be looking and competing to contribute, but to now have that veteran presence in Wilson and to see a strong performance in the last preseason game, it's definitely a positive going forward because this linebacker position was probably my biggest concern coming into camp because it's just not been a position the Eagles have valued the last couple of years. And to see that it's finally all starting to come together and they're ready to make an impact really does put this defense into elite potential. So let's go to the bad because I, I know this has been a bit of a discussion point in Philadelphia. Um, even I know this being up in New York at this time. Let's talk about Joe Flacco and this backup quarterback position. And I and I, I want to start by saying Thursday night, I think underscored how royally fucked the Eagles are if they need to rely on Joe Flacco for any extended period of time. My God, was he awful. It was, I mean, worm burners to the sideline would have hit wide open running backs. Uh, he had hospital passes in the traffic that nearly got uh, his wide receivers hurt. His mobility, which never was there to begin with, was just simply um, non-existent, as we know. And it's in Sirianni's offense, and we've, you and I have referenced this a couple of times on the show already. Um, if you want somebody to come in as a backup quarterback and continue playing well in this offense. That's not a guy like Joe Flacco, especially if Jalen Hurts mm -hmm. is your starter. Nick Mullins kind of makes more sense there. Um, however, if Flacco was a camp body here to compete for some sort of backup job, that's one thing. But the Eagles are giving him several million guaranteed dollars to come here. And I'm not sure 
what the Eagles saw in recent years because I, I was confused by the signing immediately. I mean, people love that he's a local guy. That's fine. But the kid, the, the guy, the guy sucks. He is awful. Um, he couldn't even stick with the Jets as a backup quarterback. So don't come here telling me that the Eagles are fine at the backup position with Joe Flacco. Um, obviously, the backup quarterback position is one of those positions. If Jalen Hurts plays well and stays healthy, we never have to talk about it. But mm -hmm. you know in this city, we have to talk about the backup mm -hmm. quarterback. We just ha we have to because God forbid. Um, Flacco just... I, I tell you, man, he has underwhelmed in a big way during the preseason and the Eagles don't really have any other choice but to roll with him as the number two guy because Nick Mullins at this point is kind of more. He started off strong in training camp, but to date, he is appearing to clearly be the number three guy, um, according to this coaching staff, and he is clearly um, viewed as more of a project for them than truly a backup quarterback. Yeah, and I mean... Joe Flacco wasn't horrible the first preseason game, but granted, you know, that's still a situation where they're not scheming a whole lot of things. So to see the performance from both him and Mullins this last game, it definitely does um, make you nervous. And honestly, if I was Howie Roseman, you know what I would do? I would call, get him on the phone. Hey, Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew available? Yeah, you know? seriously. Or just figure it out because, you know, your backup quarterback position is probably – Honestly, probably a top 10 most important position in the NFL, which is as crazy as it might sound. You know, we as, know what the backup quarterbacks have done for this city. I was about to say this city of all cities should know that that's a very important position to address. Yeah. So am I, you know, definitely nervous? Yeah. But um, Joe Flacco isn't the worst backup quarterback in the league, but you got to look at the last preseason and think, really? It's pretty like, damn really? close. He's pretty damn He's close. pretty close, but you got to think really. So I honestly don't think the Eagles are going to make a move given the amount of money they offered him and the fact that he's a local kid, which might not be the smartest thing to do, but I think it's what they're going to go with. So you just got to pray that Jalen Hurts stays healthy. So knock on wood for that one. Uh, I mean, and who knows if Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback, right? I mean, we've had discussions at nauseum about this, but – um, if he ends up struggling this year, you can bet that many around this city will be begging for another signal caller to get a shot. That's just how this city goes. Look at how quickly the city turned on Carson Wentz. They're going to turn on Jalen Hurts if he struggles too. But from where we sit to date on recording, it is August 25th. I cannot imagine wanting to see anybody else on the roster throwing the ball from behind center, barring some crazy trade that brings Deshaun Watson into this town than what we've seen from Joe Flacco and or Nick Mullins. It's just been bad. Um, and, and really, you got to hope at this point for the Eagles. And look, this is no secret. We talked about the Eagles' success this year and what it hinges on. That's the success of Jalen Hurts. If you're if you're sitting there and benching Jalen Hurts, the season's over regardless of who your backup quarterback is. So let's be clear about that. I'm just, but I'm just saying at this point, the answer is not in obviously Joe Flacco at this point in his career or or Nick Mullins. It's it's been bad. Um, and you hope Jalen Hurts 
uh, will be ready for week one. And when I say ready for week one, I'm not talking injury wise. I'm just hoping he's gotten the reps that he truly needs uh, to move forward. And that's what I want to talk about now, uh, Matt. Let's let's look at this Eagles Jets preview because they've had joint practices all week. Hertz has been back. But I want to start off with why Jalen has to play versus the Jets. And this isn't an ideal scenario. I think if Jalen Hurts was um, able to play last week, you weren't going to see him this week. And typically that you don't want in your last preseason game. Obviously, things are changing now in the NFL and the views on preseason. But typically the last game of the season, unless there's a true competition, you do not see your starters. Um, But from what we've been hearing from Nick Sirianni, it sure doesn't sound like Jalen Hurts is going to play, um, which, look, if that's fine, but that means Jalen Hurts will have played 10 snaps in the preseason against the Steelers, and that's it. Maybe I'm looking into this all wrong, but he he, he it just seems like Sirianni is emphasizing that Hurts will get good work and joint practices during the week, which is what I continue to bring up with his argument that it's been more of a game each and every day with these joint practices between the Patriots, between the Jets, and he's looked good. Look, I, look, practice is practice still to me. It's we not talking a game. about practice. We're talking about, about practice, practice, man. Practice, man. And it's valuable work in a controlled setting that really helps teams get better without putting players at risk. But I also think that 10 snaps in actual live football in an NFL stadium that's an actual NFL game is not enough for a guy that's coming in as QB one for the first time. This goes for the entire team, especially the offense, but hurts in particular, he needs to play Friday and he needs to play significant snaps. He needs to get reps with Devonte Smith who hasn't played a snap with him in an Eagles uniform. I, I mean, let, let's be real. You can have all the chemistry in college all you want, but I want to see it on a real football field before week one. He needs to work with Jalen Rager and Kez Watkins who are looking like the other two starting wide receivers. It doesn't look like it's going to be Fulgham. Kez Watkins has impressed that much, but he needs to be in there throwing them the football and getting that chemistry. Um, He needs to work behind this offensive line, which he hasn't really gotten. Uh, He needs to face defenses, live defenses, getting hit, getting tackled. You're not really getting that in live joint practices that much. You're just, Mm -hmm. you're just not, it's different. Um, I'm maybe I am overblowing this out of proportion. I don't know. Um, but 10 snaps is not enough. Hertz has had a nice training camp and I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, especially from what I've heard from players saying he's going to surprise a lot of people, especially hearing how good he's looked at, especially with Sirianni talking him up and the confidence that Hertz has brought to this locker room, but 10 snaps 31 days before the season opener. Um, that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just not it. If, if he goes a month, without playing a snap of football before he plays again in week one, you're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not Tom mm-hmm. Brady. You're not Patrick Mahomes. You need those reps. And I just disagree with the logic throughout, throughout this organization with what they're doing with hearts this preseason. Yeah. I wouldn't say you're overthinking. I mean, there definitely is a cause for concern. I mean, ideally you would, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I would at least consider giving him a drive with the starters just to, 
Give, give me a quarter. Give me a quarter. That's what. Two I don't drives, know because three. the last thing, last thing you need is one of your starters going out the last week. Of the I know, and that's and that's the thing, and that's why you play them in the set. Uh, and I maybe he really was sick. I don't know, but this is why you play. This is why the second to last game is mm-hmm. the dress rehearsal. Because so you, you don't have to think. worry about this. The last preseason game of the year. You got to think with um, you know, granted, Hertz has looked great in practices, so all the talking heads say. But you got to think now. Put him in a situation where he's in a stadium, screaming fans, coaches calling the players from along the sideline. He's got to relay that in an actual game environment. That's not the same. It's just not the same ball game. So, you know, all you can do really is just hope that he's going to be ready, which, you know, it might be a rocky start. It might be maybe he's right. Maybe he is fully prepared and he comes out and surprises us. But would it be the worst decision to give them a little bit of time to work together as one unit one time before the season starts. It wouldn't be if I'm being honest, I don't think it happens, but I would understand if they didn't, I would honestly consider it if I was the coach at this point, looking at the situation where you're, you're QB one, you know, Granny's never announced it, but look, let's face it. Hertz is QB one to start the year. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mind him playing more than 10 actual game snaps before jumping into his first full season as a starter. And just just to put it in perspective, um, obviously joint practices wrapped up today, and then they have the preseason game on Friday at seven thirty that we're about to break down. Um, Hertz has had some decent highlights uh, of good plays, and he supposedly has looked really good this week against the Jets. Now, granted, it's the Jets. If 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 Jacksonville and Houston aren't the worst teams in the NFL, the Jets are. So take this for a grain of salt in, again, joint practices. Um, but he had a nice 40-yard touchdown to Dallas Goddard. He's connected multiple times with Devontae Smith, which is what we've talked about. Lots of successful quick rollout action, including a few rushes, so using his legs. And then the final play with the Eagles' first-team offense was a nice – uh, end zone touchdown completion over the shoulder to Jalen Rager. So he's using all three levels of the field as well. From what we've been seeing, he's looked good. I, I don't know. I just want to see it on live television and I'm not so sure um, we're going to see it, which is a damn shame. And so let's talk about this a little bit more about what we're looking for in the Eagles jets. And I, and I want to stick to the wide receiver room. Cause I, I mentioned uh, that they're, are three if you look at the depth chart and apparently everything what we've been seeing with the first team offense the starters are Devonte smith jalen rager and kez watkins supposedly and i don't know how realistic this is i i don't see them giving up on him especially of how he did when the ball was actually thrown to him last year um but the reports are coming out that travis fulgham not only won't be a starter he's on the roster bubble and that, that, that just baffles me. I mm-hmm. never even, it never even really crossed my mind that Travis Fulgham could possibly be on the bubble. Um, needless to say, I think he needs a strong performance against the Jets just to, just to get uh, the heat off his back. I think he should be on this team, but some people mentioned that they're not willing to gave up on J.J. Ortega Whiteside yet, which is sick to my stomach. I've seen more promise in one week out of Travis Travis Fulgham than I've seen J.J. Ortega Whiteside mm-hmm. in two years. I'm over it. I'm over J.J. Blast him to the moon. Um, I think this would be a huge mistake uh, if they do let go of Travis Fulgham. Yeah. To put it into perspective, Travis Fulgham 
had more catches last year, given which was only a short strand of games. Because once Alshon came back, his reps were just cut. He's got over twice as many career catches in one year than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has in his career. And, like, I got to wonder, like, what's the logic behind it? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has shown no ability to get open, no ability to make that big play in a game-time scenario where Fulgham did that for a four-week stretch. Granted, I'm not saying that's his potential and he's going to be that big number one guy, but he's a, he's established himself more in the span of a few weeks than J.J. has in his entire career. Now, granted, J.J. was a draft pick. He was a second-round draft pick, but that's really all he's got going for him, in my opinion. I think, especially now that Sirianni didn't pick Ortega Whiteside. He wasn't here for that. So Correct. The right and obvious call should be, if it comes down to Ortega Whiteside or Fulgham for a roster spot, I'm going to take the guy who's got more catches and receiving yards in one year than the other guy has in two years. Agree. I, I Look, I, I don't understand the love for J.J. Ortega Whiteside at this point by anybody, but honestly, it's going to be Howie Roseman at this point. Um, I think he's seriously on the roster bubble. I'd be surprised if he is on the roster. Um, not Travis Fulgham. Uh, I was talking about J.J. I'd be surprised if he's on the roster come August 31st at four o'clock. So when we have our next show, the Eagles 53 will be set in stone um, because August 31st, which is next Tuesday by four o'clock, they have to have their final 53 in. So let's talk about some of these roster battles and we don't really care about the jets. So we're not going to talk about, I mean, it'll be cool to see Zach Wilson maybe and see what the, cause the Eagles do play the jets this year. So We'll see a little bit of the young pieces of the Jets and Zach Wilson, who I kind of wanted the Eagles to go and trade up for, but that's neither here nor there. We we will let it go. Um, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball, which Sirianni made some interesting comments this week about the left tackle spot. He was not committing to Jordan Mailata as the starting left tackle on this team, which it just, you know, he, he, he pushes – competition he has yet to officially announce Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback so I guess take this with a grain of salt but Andre Dillard was back in pads this week after suffering that knee injury Dillard has a chance possibly on I, I don't know how big of a real chance it is but clearly Sirianni is giving him the opportunity once again come Friday to show the Eagles or another organization and I think that's the golden ticket I told you this Matt I've I've flirted with this for like two three weeks now that Dillard is going to have that injury now he gets that kind of that dress rehearsal for teams to look at him because apparently reports are coming out that the Eagles are fielding calls on Andre Dillard Dillard has the chance to show the Eagles he can be their starting left tackle or maybe another organization comes in and trades for him. The Eagles have been reportedly looking for either a veteran type wide receiver or to collect more assets. I think now would be the time to get something for Dillard before it's too late, like a JJ Ortega Whiteside, where it's clearly too late. You're not going to get anything for him. He might be an outright cut. At least you get something for Dillard. Uh, Thursday night's a big night for him. It really is. Yeah. It's kind of as a last shot to see what he's going to do with the Eagles. And I think that it's really their last chance to, full-on market him as a first-round pick and a first-round talent because outside of that, you look at this is year three for him and technically, you know, year two of him being healthy. So you got to find out if you're going to be able to get a starting left tackle out of him or good compensation for him or if another first-round pick is just going to become a career backup for you. So definitely a very key guy to watch. I want to talk about 
the depth at corner as well, because obviously, you know, Steven Nelson, uh, uh, Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, they're all going to be there. But it kind of seems like after that, Matt, there's kind of a it seems in flux of who's really going to make this team as a, as the depth of cornerbacks. So I'm really looking to see Michael Jaquette, see if he steps up. And now, I, I mean, he looked not great against Pittsburgh. He didn't really look that great against new England either. Um, so I'm looking to see him kind of have a better game and maybe solidify himself as that fourth, fifth uh, corner guy. And then obviously you have uh, Graylon Arnold, who's a kind of a safety corner type guy. He's battling a numbers crunch, I think, at this point. And then I also want to point towards the um, safety position because there hasn't been a clear timetable for return of Rodney McLeod. And we saw Kavon Wallace a good amount on um, Thursday night last week against the Patriots. I get, I have to see more from Kavan again because if Rodney McLeod is out and does end up on that pup list, you need somebody to step up, and it's going to have to be Kavan Wallace. I'm not so sure he's given me that sense of confidence that he can come in and, and step into that role, and I we already know what Marcus Epps is. So this secondary has some things to, to figure out on the depth side of things uh, with one preseason game to go. Yeah, I think my biggest guy for the defensive backfield to watch is Zach McPherson because he's probably going to be your first alternate corner because you know uh, I, th- I think so. The way they've been yeah. using him, he's been out there a lot. Because you know it's probably going to be Slay, yeah. Nelson, and Max. It's going to be your big three to start it off. Yeah. So, but after that, that's where it gets interesting. I mean, Jaquette during the time he spent with the Eagles last year, he made some plays. He also got burned quite a bit. So. It's going to be very interesting. I think um, McPherson's going to be your favorite. They said he had a great camp. He made a couple decent plays throughout the preseason, but um, definitely is some cause for concern because it just feels like there's a major lack of depth there. Then going over to safeties, I mean, I like Marcus Epps as a special teamer, but I don't know if he's exactly third safety material. Kevon Wallace, I'm still high on. I think he's got a lot of potential, but he hasn't shown a lot of that yet. He's still a young guy. So... It's not impossible. You see them try to bring in a veteran defensive back and maybe cut an additional guy they weren't thinking about cutting. But yeah, Dillard and the defensive backs are definitely some of the key guys to watch because you got to figure out what your depth is because Eagles are known to be one of the more injured teams in the NFL. And I'd rather not have another, you know, group of who are these guys coming in. You want to see that these guys can prove themselves, which again, Zach McPherson, he's my guy to watch. Uh, just to piggy off of that, um, Zach McPherson thought he had a couple pass breakups on Wednesday and was actually being talked to by Jonathan Gannon. It seemed to kind of be getting the pat on the back a little bit of having a nice little rebound after a rough week, like I mentioned last week, but it's a positive sign that he appears to be bouncing back. And I think when you're a corner, you definitely need that state of mind. Um, he is clearly, in my opinion, and I don't think it really matters what Jaquette does. Like you said, that kind of that next guy in waiting, that fourth guy, whether he's slot or outside, supposedly he could play both. He has been playing both, but they like his versatility. And I do overall like the kid. Um, it's just different, man. I mean, when you finally face NFL competition, 
uh, it's it's going to be different. And, and he's been he struggled against Jamison Crowder a, li- a little bit on a nice move this week. But you know what? He, he's getting that experience. And if he can sit behind guys like Steven Nelson and Darius Slay, like the, the things we're talking about, they're not going to be issues if this team for once in their lives stay healthy or, or can compete at a high level. That's the point of depth is hopefully you don't have to show it too often if you if you're a good healthy team but injuries do happen in the nfl and this is where these guys are getting their reps but overall i I, look a lot of people were pressing the panic button after losing 35 to nothing to the patriots to those people that don't i I, and uh, i don't think unless you see a lot of the first team on both sides of the football on friday I wouldn't take much away from the Jets either. I mean, are we are we going to talk about it? No, because next week is our full schedule breakdown. So we're not maybe we'll mention it if Hurts plays or something happens with the first team. But don't take what happens this week um, too heavily because Sirianni is clearly not playing. Um, you, you know, he's he's using vanilla offense. He's not playing the starters often. He's not going to show his hand at preseason. So this is a team that I think with the roster constructed, I feel good about. Overall, I feel good about this team, even though we address some clear issues. If they play up to their potential and Jalen Hurts comes around and Sirianni does know what he's doing, which I think he does. He's not stupid. He's been around some very good coaches and is highly respected by said coaches that he's been around. Frank Reich probably being the biggest name of them. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be fine and they're in a winnable division. Uh, Obviously we're nitpicking, but that's our jobs. That's what the point of the podcast is, is to analyze the Eagles. Um, So that's what we did. But overall, Matt, I feel okay about this team. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely never ideal to see a 35, nothing loss in the preseason, but you know, it's not really a reason for me to, like you said, hit the panic button. It's the perfect expression. So, you know, that the roster they put together there, it's a good group of guys that they all come together the right way. And Sirianni, like you say, he's been around those big name coaches for. He's been Frank Reich's OC for the last three years. And we know what Frank Reich's done in a short period of time. So the pieces are definitely there. And it's all about if Sirianni's the coach we think he is and if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback we think he can be. We have a couple minutes left, Matt. And I know who we can press the panic button on. <laughs> Why do we bother with the Philadelphia? Why do we bother with the Phillies? Why? Why? The Phillies had a chance to shave a game off the Braves lead in the NL East. But in the end, last night against the Rays, they couldn't do it. They kicked off probably their most crucial six game homestand so far of the season with that 3 1 loss to Tampa. And obviously, when we record, the Tampa series will be over. So it could be even worse. Who knows? Um, but they remain four and a half games as of recording back behind the Braves with 37 to play 37 games to shave a four and a half game lead. You have to crunch. Now they've lost nine of their last 13. They're averaging 2.8 runs a game. And that's probably uh, being generous because that's throwing in Sunday's win against the Padres where they dropped seven and almost blew that too. Mm-hmm. Um they're just 63 and 62 on the season. Maybe by time recording, they're 500. Jesus, God, I don't know how we went from first place to back down to 500, but here we are. Um, Harper sounded the alarm after after the 
loss on Tuesday night against Tampa, basically saying you got to win games and it doesn't matter what the other teams are doing or anything like that. And be, first of all, being swept by Arizona is simply unacceptable. Mm-hmm. You, the we, worst we talk, team in the league by far. Now the second worst team because of those of that sweep. We we talked about beating the teams that you're supposed to beat and the Phillies. It doesn't mean anything just simply because mm-hmm. you have the second easiest schedule in the National League. I remember having this exact conversation on this show about this. Mm-hmm. You have to handle your business because you are playing the Rays. You are playing the Braves coming up, but you still have, you have the Cubs, you have the Rockies, you have the Diamondbacks after the Rays. You have these shitty teams coming into Philly. You've got to take advantage of this and they're simply not. And that's what Harper said. It doesn't matter what the other teams are doing. If we don't win games, nothing else matters. Um, as a team, they've got to be better and they have to be better right now. They're wasting time. They mm-hmm. are wasting time. 37 games is not a lot, especially when you have to reel a red hot Braves team in. Um, they, they've scuffled against the Yankees, thankfully. Um, but they got a nice start from Ranger Suarez, his best of the year, six and two thirds innings of one rum ball but yet you manage just six hits against four Tampa pitchers with just one extra base. I mean, get your shit together and win baseball games that you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. I love how I love how Joe Girardi, after Reese Hoskins hits two dinners on Sunday with a day off, he's not in the lineup against Tampa. Are you freaking kidding me? We had to watch Brad Miller at first. Between Joe Girardi and the inconsistency of this team, I can't stand it anymore. I don't know why I buy into this Mm -hmm. baseball team over and over and over again. They reel you back in. Once you're back in, they shit on you and disappoint. And then they reel you back in again just to be disappointed all over again. It's been Mm -hmm. an endless cycle for over a decade. 11 years, matter of fact. I'm over it. I'm over it. Especially when you look at how it seems like their bullpen and their pitching is finally starting to show some consistency and they're going to start giving you a chance. But this offense just hasn't been able to get on pace the entire year. I think that they said the league average so far for batting average amongst all the teams was around 242. Phillies have not been over 242 once this year. In fact, I think when you look at each of the months – their highest might have been like 243 or 241. And and that's in a season where Harper's been flirting with 300 all year. So think about that. Yeah, so you definitely – and you need to start making yourself, as a team, Think you need to think about next year because you need to make your organization look appealing because if you're not looking appealing, is Chris Bryant going to look at it? It's like, hey, do I really want to go back and play with my boy Harper if the rest of this team is just isn't going to do anything? No, I'll stay in San Francisco for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or Nick Castellanos who's expected to opt out of his contract. Do I want to go to a big market like Philly? I don't know. Maybe I'll go back somewhere else. You need to show that you are able to compete, and it starts with, like I said before, beating the teams you're supposed to be. You can't be in a situation where you get swept by the worst team in baseball and then take two out of three against the Padres. You can't be that kind of team. Can't be that no. kind of randomness. No, that that and and the, doesn't that just make you sick? Even yes, saying that, very oh, much. We we went on the road and beat the uh, San Diego Padres, who are in the thick of it, and not the NL West title, but they're a very good baseball team and got Tatis back. Oh, but we got swept by a 35 win baseball mm-hmm. club. Now a 38 win baseball club. Now 38. Thanks to the Phillies. Um, It's just, it's just ridiculous. And then to come home, have the day off, not even have Reese Hoskins in your lineup. First of all, it is sickening. I could not believe Reese Hoskins was in that lineup. If there's something I missed, was he sick? 
did I miss something? Stomach infection? Stomach infection? Stomach infection. That seems to be a pretty popular excuse in Philadelphia. Um, Girardi placed great importance on this homestand, which includes, like I said, the one game by the time this show drops, the game will be over. Um, but the one game against Tampa, the best team in the American League, and then you have four against Arizona coming back, it, coming, coming up. If you do not sweep Arizona for four games, the worst team in the National League, you do not deserve to win the NL East because you can't handle your business against a team that is purposely tanking, purposely tanking. Um, I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, and then you put an importance on this homestand and lose the first game. Don't even get an extra base hit outside of the one. It just, Matt, I, I need the Eagles. Mm -hmm. I need the Eagles. Me quickly. too. I know. It's just like, I don't even know how to describe it because in fact, I was at the game, the last game of their big win streak where Wheeler took the mound, had a near perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They had the entire city there. It was a playoff atmosphere. You could tell the team had that moxie, that swagger, that energy, and it's just gone. And I don't know what happened. I don't understand how it could have gone so quickly and how they just fell off. And another thing to think about, DeGrom's on his way back for the Mets. So you're going to have them to think about too. You got to reel yeah, in the Braves. They're only two games back. They're only two yeah, games and you got to hope to stay first. ahead of the Mets and reel in the Braves. So you got to start getting serious, and it's got to be right now. So you I need think. a big start from Wheeler, and you need them to just dominate a couple games and just get their swagger back. Can they do it? I don't know. We, we, I we can't. Know. I mean, I mean, the pitching has stepped up in a big way. I don't. Mm -hmm. I can't even complain about the pitching. Hell, even the Matt best Moore, it's been the last even five Matt years. Moore is pitching well. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you have Nola who, who looked really good, and then you managed to blow that one. Um, Zach Wheeler has looked like a Cy Young self. Um, Kyle Gibson has been nothing but great since coming over to Philadelphia. Outside of having to kind of start after a rain delay against the Dodgers. I don't really blame him for that. That's a bloop on the radar. He's been great ever since Ranger is now going into the seventh inning. Now, I mean, come on, you have, you have defined roles of the bullpen. The bullpen has been better. You just, you can't be, you're averaging two, you average 2.8 runs when you, three of those games were against Arizona. I, I just don't get it. I, it, I can't keep talking about it or, or I'm just going to throw something at the wall, but um, Freddie Galvis is back. Hopefully that'll solidify things. Alec Bohm is down in triple a now. Um, so I, I don't know about you, Matt, and some people aren't willing to give up on him. I am send him somewhere for a fresh start and bring in a, a, a stud this off season, send Alec Bohm wherever, wherever anybody could take him at this point. He can't, he can't hit, he can't hit for power. And mm -hmm. he and he, he's not even good in the I kind of related to Glaber Torres with the Yankees, which we talked about on our show. Um and the other Godzilla Media podcast that I have, Sports with a Z and a T. We talked about the Yankees being red hot and Glaber Torres not being in the lineup. The thing about Glaber with the Yankees is he'll make the mistakes in the infield. You know you're getting that. But he brought that power and production in the lineup to kind of offset it. Well, you're not getting that this year out of Glaber. So there's no sense of really needing him back. And they've been playing better with him on the IL. It's kind of the same thing with Alec Bohm at this point. You're making constant mistakes in the field. And then you're not bringing any contribution at the plate either. What's the point? Um, while he has value, and obviously we saw it last year in a short time, he was a rookie of the year finalist, but 
my God. I, I mean, this team is, I would think, on the cusp of trying to not only make the playoffs, but contend for the World Series here. I mean, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And that's why Bryce came here. Um, if Alec doesn't get his shit together, if I'm Dave Dabrowski, I'm looking for a dance partner and sending him elsewhere. You definitely are thinking about it. And they, the Phillies did the right move by sending him down, let him hit the reset button with in the minors. But now you really have to think, one, when you look at his defense and just his lack of hitting since his rookie year, you got to ask yourself, is this a piece for us going forward? Or do you just want to bring in someone better while we still can or even get better prospects while we still can? So depending on how he does in the minors now and if he finds his way up back at some point towards the end of the year, it's going to be a very big decision for if he's a part of their future and how the Phillies' future looks. Because, you know, it looks like your most promising future prospect right now is going to be Stott, and you're probably not going to see him up here this year. He's still only in double A. So you have a very big decision to make here with a guy who was once your top prospect. And you got to make it quick because his value, like with Andre Dillard, it's still up there for a very short period of time. If you want to get something out of it, he either has to prove himself or you have to cut your losses while you still can. Yeah, it, it's been frustrating, especially the, the past couple of weeks watching Alex struggle, especially knowing what we saw from him last year. But hopefully either A, he writes a ship or the Phillies could get some good value for him. Um, this Phillies team, obviously, if they even do write the ship and, and somehow reel the Braves in, who knows how far they can really go. Um, they're they're kind of in the wild card hunt as well. I don't want to get my hopes up because I know I'm setting myself up for disappointment. But the Phillies, um, they can write the ship. We'll see how they do against Tampa. Obviously, when you're listening to the show, you know the result of that. So I could sound really, really bad at that point. But big four games against Arizona, got to win all four of them. I, I don't think they're – usually it's unrealistic to expect a sweep. No, you need to sweep Arizona. And – and really make up for just a, an embarrassing performance out West last week. Uh, I, I don't really see other way around it, but um, that, that will, uh, that will be it this week. We, we broke down the birds. We, we hopefully will see some good things Friday, probably not many because who knows who's going to play, but keep it locked in at me for Philly at zebrice 21 at Matt underscore underscore Minton. Uh, we will all keep you updated. If anything comes across Philly sports wise, um, follow the show on Spotify, Apple and or YouTube, as well as every other Godzilla media podcast. You can find them all right there, including my other one sports with the Z and a T um, subscribe, comment, give us the feedback. We love your feedback. If you want something on the show or, or for us to tackle a topic, please, either DM us, put it under the show comment when it drops tomorrow, anything, and we will address it um, next week. The plan will be that we break down the Eagle schedule, do our predictions and see what our records look like. And we'll, we'll see how accurate we are throughout the year. It's usually one of our favorite episodes throughout the year is going through the Eagle schedule. And then we'll be into bird season. Then we'll be previewing week one against Atlanta. It's coming quick, Matt. It is. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun time. I, I hate I hate when fall comes because it's the end of summer, but if there is one good silver lining with fall coming around the corner, that means the birds are back and we may not have to talk about the Phillies anymore and torture ourselves anymore. And then, the, of course, the Sixers and the Flyers are not too far back. It's been quiet in Sixers camp. We'll see if the uh, 
Daryl Morey's of the world can get Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia, or if we're keeping him, we haven't really heard much about that lately. And of course, the Flyers are going to get themselves ready for their season as well. But for Matt, I am Bryce. This was made for Philly. Enjoy the birds. Try to enjoy the Phillies. I know it's hard, but um, we will see you next week for a full Eagle schedule breakdown. Go birds. Be safe out there. Go birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.